This passage has to go down as one of the strangest in Scripture. It goes against every one of our instincts. It seems to defy common sense. It leaves us baffled. In this parable, Jesus seems to make a positive example of what might be the worst employer ever. I remember when I was at work, and all the time in the staff room, people would be moaning about the management and how they were messing things up and the way that things really should be done. And then when you returned home, you would tell your family, you'll never guess what the boss did today. Well, this employer is beyond all of that. This landowner is seemingly so bad, he's a danger to your pension. You wouldn't just moan about this guy, you would think about moving job. I wonder how many of you have watched The Apprentice on TV. Just imagine if this businessman turned up in Alan Sugar's boardroom. He'd be getting fired within seconds. His feet would barely touch the ground. This employer is seemingly inept. He's seemingly completely incompetent. It's harvest time in the vineyard and the grapes have reached their most succulent best. These will go on to make the finest of wines. But the grapes will very quickly overripen and begin to rot on the vine. So it's imperative that the owner doesn't waste a second, that he harvests them now. Consequently, harvest season meant very long hours. They started at six in the morning. They finished at six at night. Not a single hour of daylight could be wasted. These grapes must be gathered in and fast. So the landowner gets up very early in the morning and he goes into the local village to employ some labourers. Now these are the seasonal workers that travel from village to village as freelance fruit pickers working for whoever has need of them. Yet already the landowner has made his first error. Why on earth is he going out to hire the workers? This man is rich, he is powerful, we know he has a foreman. How many big businessmen do you know of in large companies who employ their part-time staff? Do you think Lord Sugar personally interviews his window cleaners? I don't think so. This is a wasting of time and valuable resources. What is more, he's clearly terrible at appointing staff because he doesn't employ anywhere near enough. After three hours, yet yeah, three hours, he's not quick on the uptake either, he goes out to find some more. Yeah, incredibly, he still does not employ enough. He makes the same mistake over and over again. He goes out after six hours to get some more, and nine hours to get some more, and at five o'clock, it's nearly dark, he's now in a panic, he goes out and employs even more. Failure number two is that this guy doesn't learn from his mistakes. Yet in going and employing people at five o'clock at night, he makes another huge error. Think about it. If these people have been standing around all day without anybody employing them at the busiest time of year, there must be a reason why. Even the landowner in this story is surprised to see them there. Just think of all the other vineyards who would have been looking for staff, and yet they've refused to take on these people. 
In short, these are the people at five o'clock who common sense tells you you try hard not to employ. Maybe they're lazy, bone idle. Maybe they have a reputation for being a troublemaker. Maybe they're physically incapable of fruit picking. Mistake number three is that he really scrapes the barrel when it comes to choosing his workers. So he employs these dregs of the farming world and after they've only worked for an hour and it's starting to get dark and the picking has to stop, he comes to pay their wages. Now day labourers receive their wages at the end of their shift. So the owner instructs his foreman to settle up with them. And here we come to the biggest mistake of all. This landowner is about to show himself as a management disaster. And it starts off by his paying the workers, who've only worked for an hour, 12 times more than they should have received. Denarius was a day's wages. It was rewarded for 12 hours of hard toil in the baking sun. Yet these people have only worked for one hour. And even that was in the cool of the evening when it was easier. So by doing the simple mass, these people should have been getting a twelfth of a denarii maximum. And considered themselves quite fortunate for that. Yet not only does he overpay those who've only worked for one hour, he does it in full view of those who've toiled all day in the baking heat. Just think about that. If he'd paid them the other way round, even if he had paid these latecomers more, those who'd worked all day would never have known. He's demonstrating a complete lack of common sense. And the result is that when those workers who've worked all day and are exhausted, you can imagine the sweat coming off their brow, they reach the front of the pay queue, they've seen what the others have got, they're now expecting a bumper pay packet. If the latecomers got paid 12 times more than normal, they are expecting 12 times more than normal. And you can imagine them there lining up, planning what they're going to do with the money. Some of them would be dreaming of a, a day off, maybe. Others would have been thinking of a nice meal and rich wine. Some might have been thinking of buying the wife a present. Or maybe not, these were men, after all. Anyway, they'd have been expecting a huge pay packet. Yes, they hold out their hand, expecting to feel the weight of many coins. They receive one denarius. One measly Denarius. And you can imagine how their great expectations suddenly turn to surprise, to shock, to anger. If there had been trade unions at the time, they would have phoned them. If there had been sit-down strikes, they would have sat down. They were furious. And they start to grumble. And who could blame them? Seems completely unfair. Even when I asked all of you a few moments ago, you find this parable very hard to understand. The way that this landowner treats his staff is almost outrageous. These workers 
have slaved away for 12 hours in the heat. Back-breaking work. How on earth can they be paid the same as the others? This landowner whom Jesus portrays is not only seemingly the worst employer in history, he's completely incompetent. He even might be a cheat. And what is even worse about this parable is that Jesus uses this landowner to represent God. He begins this parable by stating, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Really? And suddenly it's not just the landowners who are feeling slightly angry, we're starting to feel slightly angry as well. Is this what God is like? Is this the God we're here to worship today? So what is Jesus getting at? What does this parable really mean? Surely God is not incompetent. Surely God is not exploitative. Well, the key to understanding this parable lies in the context of the time it was said. Because the truth is that these workers were the most insecure people in Israelite society. If you found yourself day labouring in harvest season, it meant that you were the lowest of the low. It means you had no family land of your own to farm. You had no trade or skills to ply. And without those basic means of making a living, you were defenceless, vulnerable to Roman taxes. And as those taxes went up, the last penny would have been drained from your pockets and your large family would have begun to starve. These men traveling from village to village to pick fruit were the most desperate in society. They yearned for the opportunity to make one denarii. In short, harvest time was their one opportunity to make a meagre living. Most of the rest of the year, they would have been surviving by begging, possibly when hunger was most painful, thieving. These are the poorest of the poor. They are desperate people. They lived on the edge of human society. And when you know that, Think about those who are still left at five o'clock who haven't got any work. Because those people who are left at five o'clock with no work, they're not necessarily lazy. They're not necessarily bone idle. Those people left at five o'clock are the most desperate of all of them. These are the people that every other vineyard foreman has tried not to hire because they're unable to work. Maybe because they're too hungry to work. These are the ones who have no energy left, no strength left. They are sapped by hunger. They would have struggled to do a full day's work. Or maybe these were the people who were born with a disability and just left to beg by the roadsides, too slow to keep up with the harvesting. 
These poor people had hung around all day from six o'clock to five o'clock just in case they might be given the opportunity to scrape a few pennies together. When the landowner reached those people at five o'clock, they must have been on the verge of giving up, wondering, well, how am I going to tell my family that I've got no food for them today? How am I going to return home and say, I didn't get any work, so we've got no bread tonight? They must have dreaded going home. So when these people are called up and they receive their one denarius, it's not a cause of outright celebration. They wouldn't have been partying. They would have been grateful that they could keep their family alive for a little while longer. And when you realise that that is what's going on, it becomes blindingly obvious that this landowner is not incompetent. He is not inept. He is not a cheat. He is the complete opposite. He is the most gracious, the most generous landowner there is. Not only is he prepared to invite the less able into his vineyard, not only is he prepared to invite those who are completely unable to deserve their employment, but he's prepared to pay them well over the odds for what they can produce. He literally blesses them for no reason at all, except that he desires to be generous and to stop their family from starving. This landowner is not unjust. Those workers which he employed first, he paid exactly what he agreed to pay them. There was no deception there. There was no deceit. He did exactly what he said he would do. The parable says he paid the workers what was right. But this landowner wanted to be generous. And as he told the grumbling workers at the end, he was completely free to give more if he wanted to. And suddenly the real beauty of this parable hits home because I think this parable is a wonderful depiction of God. The God who is incredibly gracious. The God who wants to give people far more than they could ever deserve. The God who personally personally goes out and invites people in to his vineyard. This parable seems so strange to our modern ears because we are conditioned by materialism and consumerism and capitalism, all those principles that run our world today. And Jesus emphatically demonstrates that the kingdom of heaven doesn't work by those principles. It runs by grace. The kingdom of heaven is not a business. It's a family. And the king of that kingdom loves his children so much he will not choose between them. He will treat them all equally. And so if you're in church today and you feel a little desperate or you feel in need of help, this God is for you. 
Or if you come today and you feel completely unworthy, either because of a profound sense of weakness or low self-esteem or because of things you've done in the past, this God is for you. If you feel you have nothing to offer or you're like those workers left out at the end of the day, still not getting a chance in life, this God is for you. In fact, he's here right now calling you to come. Come in. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter what you think you've got to offer. God loves you and he sent his son to die for you and he wants to bring you in, into the kingdom. However, for some of us here today, this parable will still feel uncomfortable. Because some of us have been in the vineyard of God's kingdom a long time. And if we're really honest, we tend to associate ourselves with those who are grumbling. And when Jesus told this story, you imagine there were the crowds there that had been the really poor who were delighted by it. And then there had been the disciples. And they would not have liked this parable. It was a challenge to them. Because they thought they should have been paid a bit more. And Jesus tells this story to his disciples to remove their complacency. This parable showed those disciples that God desires to see justice. Justice for those who've been oppressed by the Romans. Justice to those who've been exploited by the Jews' inability to look after the poor. And the challenge of this parable to those disciples who were already in the kingdom is, now you have to behave like this. You're not in this to grab what you can for yourself. Now you have to be generous wherever you can. Now you have to start acting in the same way. Notice in this parable, the landowner doesn't tell the foreman how much he has to pay the workers because the foreman already knows. Because the landowner, this landowner, is generous every day. We're just reading of one day, but he's generous every day. This is how he acted day after day after day. What's different in this parable is that he wanted those who'd worked all day to see it. Jesus wanted the disciples to see his generosity. He wanted them to see his heart for the victims. He wanted them to see the justice that he wanted to give out. Why? Because he wanted them to do the same. So it may be that you're here today and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I'm just desperate. I am that worker at five o'clock. I need you, God. This parable is for you. But it may be that you're here today and you've known God a long time and you love God and you've been in the church a long time and you know you're in the kingdom. You feel safe and secure about that. Well, don't get complacent because now God wants us to act with the same grace to others. We don't deserve a thing. We don't deserve anything that we have. Everything we have is from God's generosity to us. And now we must give it out to seek out the poor and the struggling, to seek out the lost and the grieving, to seek out the homeless and the starving, 
we must actively help them. For some of us, that will be uh, contributing to the food bank. For some of us, that will be just providing a shoulder to cry on to someone who's in need. For some of us, it will be supporting a charity that is involved in a certain area of work. For some of us, it will be sharing our faith. But as we realise what an incredible privilege it is to be welcomed by God into his vineyard, then we must begin to serve in it. The parable finishes with this beautiful but challenging line. The last will be first, and the first will be last. May that be true for us.